FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 85 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snick. We're your host, Jason and Denise Venable. We're here with a blockbuster episode for April 2014. Blockbuster. We've got a big old stack of comics for you, and we will get through them as quickly as we can. Quickly being operative word. Yes, as quickly as we can while still doing our job. That's right. That you've come to love and hold dear. They just come to hear the banter. Probably. I think comics is a big part of it, too. Yeah, that's the filler. But in addition to comics, or banter, in addition, <laughs> in addition to this month's comics, we also have some uh, big news from Wolverine. Big news. And this is a uh, very spoilery. It is really spoilery. Yeah. So, I don't. If you don't. In this hear day it, and age, I don't think you'll be able to avoid this. You'd have to not live on Facebook or yeah. any version of social media right. or the internet. And I'll tell you what, my friend Blake, who doesn't read comics at all, texted me today and asked me about the. I mean, about. About what? What we're going to talk about. So, if for some reason you want to try to avoid, I suggest you skip ahead about 10 minutes or so. Give or take 10, Give 15 take, minutes. Yeah. If you skip ahead and we're in the middle of Wolverine number or whatever. Then, you know, just rewind a little bit. Just look at the show notes. I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to get all spoilery. So, this is it. One. Two. Three. Spoiler! All right, so Marvel has confirmed... Dun, dun, dun! ...that they are killing their cash cow. (gasps) What does this mean for the podcast that goes snicked? Well, we'll get to that later, but first... My dramatic pause has been foiled. (laughs) Foiled comic book style. That's right. I am a super villain. Little speech bubbles. You're the anti hero and I'm the super villain. Why am I an anti hero? You can handle being a straight hero. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It has been confirmed that Wolverine is going to die. Oh. There's going to be a series, a limited mini series called The Death of Wolverine. Boo. It'll be by Charles Soule and Steve McNiven. McNiven? Yeah. See like a McNugget? Yes. <laughs> He's a McDonald's version of a Marvel artist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's never heard that before. I'm sure he hasn't either. So this this means a lot of different things, and we'll talk about it. I personally the most interesting thing to me about all of this immediately is that I was kinda under the impression that Wolverine's death was going to be Paul Cornell's baby. And it's not. It's not. (gasps) Neither Cornell nor Stegman will do the death of Wolverine. So Cornell is going to set it up, and somebody else is going to hit the home run. Oh, that's kind of, in an artist's world, that that sucks. It does kind of suck, but I'm also kind of excited. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's fresh meat. Well, yeah, and I've been enjoying, all right, so I'm kind of, I'm pretty up on Charles Soule. I don't read. I don't like everything he does, but he's doing really, really good on um, Superman, Wonder Woman right now over at DC. Okay. And uh, it's not really my cup of tea, but he's been getting great reviews on the new She-Hulk series. She-Hulk. 
Yeah. It's so been, winter clothes rip off. Is it a little teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini? It used to be. But I think she's mostly in a shirt, tie, and mini skirt now. Uh, it's okay. most. It's actually more of a legal book, from what I hear, because she's a lawyer. Oh. So. That's boring. Well, it's kind of like Hulk meets Ally McBeal. Ew. <laughs> that was a horrible visual. Anyway, we're not here to diss on that book. A lot. Of, it's been selling really well. A lot of people really like it. He also has a popular book in D.C. called Red Lanterns, which I like the concept of, but I can't bring myself to buy every month. <laughs> but anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, Superman Wonder Woman is awesome. And he's been doing really good on that. So I'm enjoying his, his writing. And uh, McNiven, of course, is a grade A artist. Yeah, so that's exciting. And he did Old Man Logan back oh. in the day, which I guess will not come to pass anymore, supposedly, if Wolverine's going to die. Well, but, yeah. So anyway, I thought it was interesting that there was a creative change. You know, because Cornell has the uh, three months to live storyline and stuff like that. So, and we'll talk more about his Wolverine series in our first segment this episode. So, what we think about that. As far as the art change, I love Stegman and McNiven both, so I can't really be disappointed either way. So, his death. Do we know how or... No. Okay. They're saying... All right, so supposedly the miniseries is going to look back at different periods of his life during the time of his death. I don't really know what that means. Okay. When there's going to be like a big fight, when there's like three pages of fight and 12 pages of back flashback. And three words in the entire comic. Or, you know, maybe he actually like gets broken and dies slowly on a deathbed and has time to actually think about stuff. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, but supposedly that's what's going on. He gets to meet Gene up in heaven. <laughs> that's true. Maybe so. If he goes to heaven. You think Wolverine's going to heaven? Yeah. <laughs> Who says Gene is either? Oh, eh, yeah. She's probably somewhere else. <laughs> so anyway, I guess it'll be really curious to see. You know, we talked about some of this already, so I won't spend a long time on this. When we, when we first heard the rumor that he might die, or first addressed it on the podcast anyway, it will be interesting to see when they kill him if he'll actually disappear from the newsstand or not, or if... Like Savage Wolverine, they'll just keep telling old stories. Oh, good call. And anthologies. So I don't know if they'll actually let us miss him or not. And I don't know how long he'll be dead. No one stays dead except Bucky, and even he's back. (laughs) Um, Poor Bucky. Poor Bucky. It'll also be interesting to see in superhero comics, you see this a lot, when there's someone to like, be Wolverine instead. Like in I don't the, want that. Like in the Wolverine series. Well, it might be okay if X-23 does it. I just can't she's see ready like to step up. Quaint and Choir putting well, on no, some I don't think and... be, I think it would either be, I honestly, I think the major candidate is X-23 or maybe somehow, what was that? What was the Wolverine Mystique kid from the future? Yeah. That supposedly is still in the present, but we haven't seen him since Battle of the Atom. Yeah. Well, and then I can't remember, but then didn't Jubilee have claws? Didn't she? Yeah, in the one of the future, she had these like claw looking things. Oh, the little laser claws or whatever. Yeah. But then she didn't. I actually think that would be really. I think it'd be really cool if Jubilee either had fake claws or just said, forget the claws, and but just stood in as kind of Wolverine's place. That'd be cool. It'd be interesting to see if they do that, though, also, whether it'll actually be in a book called Wolverine or if they'll just say, I'm carry on the legacy, but not his name. Right. You know, whatever. So there's lots of options. See, I think Jubilee's the 
I don't want to say she's the only character. She's the first character that comes to uh, mind that can play his like slightly scruff, slightly off color. Yeah, but see, if you do it with X-23, you got to get to go backwards in Wolverine. She hasn't had all his experience. She's still more where he was at the beginning. Uh, so you kind of get a redo. And there's still, and I'm going to hate this if it happens. Uh-oh. We don't really know for sure that the other Wolverine died in Age of Ultron. So there could actually be two Wolverines right now. Did you hear that? That was my head hitting the microphone. <laughs> so I will be really bummed if that's the route they take, but knowing comics, it's definitely a possibility. So anyway, I want to hear everybody's odds. What you think, how you think they're going to handle his absence during his death, however long that is. I want to throw Whether, in my prediction. Okay, what's your prediction? He's going to die. He's going to go up to Purgatory Heaven, whatever that place is that we saw Charles Xavier. <laughs> Charles Xavier is going to say, Wolverine, it is not your time. And Wolverine's going to go, sorry, Chuck, I'm here. Chuckles. And then Nightcrawler is going to figure out a way and they're going to spend <laughs> like a year and a half and Wolverine will come down and Nightcrawler goes back up to heaven. No, <laughs> it will be trading places. I do think it's interesting and kind of bums me out that we don't get to see them be together again very long. That's life. Because they're like best friends, and Nightcrawler just came back, and now Wolverine's going to die. Or, like you said, the non-real Wolverine. (laughs) So anyway, let's hear what everybody else, what you want to happen, A, and B, what you think will happen. Ooh, ooh, the microverse will, like, make a clone. Shut up. (laughs) All right, so anyway, that's, that's the death of Wolverine. We'll definitely cover it when it happens. Faux show, but, um... So, whoa, 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 whoa. Until then, the rumor mill will spin. Are they going to kill him? Well, we don't know. I was going to say, are they going to kill him for like a month? I think it'll probably be a little longer than that. I am really curious to see whether he will, like, everything he's in will, will stop. Or, because like I said, you can drag out his appearance in I think all comic Wolverine and the X-Men, because they're not on the same timeline, exactly. I think they should all go into mourning and change all their costumes to black. They did say it will have, and of course it will, because it's in every book. <laughs> but they did say it'll have a widespread major effect on the rest of the Marvel Universe. Spidey's going to go into a deep, deep depression. <laughs> yes. He's going to trade back with Dr. Octopus. And yeah, I can't take it. I can't live in a world without Logan. Aw, Spidey needs personal help. <laughs> obviously <laughs> he's neurotic so what does this mean for the podcast that goes snick all right so re- without our snickers <laughs> we turn into joe pesci <laughs> is that how it works i don't know why you think i'm a clown do i look like a clown to you so we'll look at three possibilities okay three three possibilities these are the three a b and c okay a a Wolverine dies, but there's still plenty of Wolverine books coming out. Okay. Through B. Savage Wolverine. No, wait. Oh, so, so choice A means pretty much the podcast will continue as normal. B, Wolverine dies, but somebody takes his place. If it's somebody we're already covering in the Wolverine family segment, that would be X-23, Sabretooth, or Dawkins, then we will cover that book, but probably won't do the current episodes as often. Okay. If anyone takes Wolverine's place, they will probably not be as omnipresent as Wolverine. Okay. So there'll probably be less material and we'll probably space it out a little bit more. 
Okay. C. C, he dies. They actually let us miss him and don't put him in every book, in anthology, flashback books, whatever. And no one takes his place. We just really ramp up our flashback schedule. Flashback. And Excellent. Just, <laughs> and just do a whole lot of flashback episodes. Bang, bang, bang. Okay. We will try our best to keep to our almost weekly schedule, regardless of what happens. Okay. But we'll just kind of play it by ear as to how that looks. Alrighty. So, but either way, the podcast is safe. I think I put on Facebook, Marvel can kill Wolverine, but they can't kill the podcast. Unless, unless they just stop producing Unless the comments. legal department <laughs> comes after us. But I'm pretty sure I'm within my rights. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't think you're saying anything is your original material, so. Yeah, and I'm not selling anything. That's so. right. Although we really could use sponsors. Yeah, particularly from Shiner Cupcake or. Cupcake Wines. Or, um. Dosakis. <laughs> you know, any of those things. Anything alcohol related or candy related. Pizza. Yeah, pizza. Hit burgers. Yeah. Anything anything like that. Free birds. Anyway, all right, let's actually uh talk about the comic, shall we? Anything else you want to say about Wolverine's impending doom? I am curious how it's gonna go down. Yep. All right, cool. Well in that case, here we go. Okay, so slight change of plans. Um Originally, we saved the Wolverine issues for last because four came out at the beginning of the month and five just came out. So we were going to do them together. But unfortunately, Denise has uh, developed a severe sinus infection and uh, we're going to hold off. I'm going to actually do a bonus episode featuring uh, the conclusion of Origin 2, and then we'll also do Wolverine 5 on that. So I'm just going to cover Wolverine 4 by myself, but don't worry, after this, Denise will be quote-unquote back because the following segments have already been recorded. (laughs) Or maybe it's time travel, and you decide. Anyway, Wolverine number 4, of course, is Rogue Logan Part 4 of 4, written by Paul Cornell. Uh, Ryan Stegman with David Baldian does the pencils, or Baldian, maybe that's probably right, Baldian, I don't know. Morales, Stegman, and Hannah do, do the inks, David Curiel does the colors, and VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo, for Denise, does the letters. Ryan Stegman and Edgar Delgado do the cover. I really like this cover, it's kind of a, it's all in blues, nighttime. We have Wolverine packed up and leaving the school on his motorcycle in a cloud of dust. And the X-Men are standing behind him with Storm's got her arms crossed. Anyway, it's a really nice cover. I think it's going to end up being the uh, the pick for the episode. All right, so we open up with a really awesome panel of Wolverine cutting stuff up in the danger room. And Beast turns it off. Says he's pushing himself too far. Storm and Jubilee come in. They're worried about him. And Wolverine says he's scared. He doesn't feel safe. Even in this new armor, he still feels vulnerable. And he doesn't know why he froze in that fight. He's got to do something. He's got to change everything, he says. So he packs up. Storm tries to call him out. Says she doesn't understand. That he should have grown past all this by now. He knows the answers are at the school. He belongs with the X-Men. He's ran off before, but he shouldn't this time. And Wolverine says, basically, Roro, uh, I'm sorry. You meant, well, you meant more than I ever said. You're too good for what comes next. And basically, they say goodbye. Beast goes on the loudspeaker and tells everyone to come see Wolverine off. 
And that makes Wolverine mad. And he gets on his bike and storms off, basically, on his bike. The students argue about what he's doing. Some feel abandoned. Quentin Quire calls him a coward. And then we see, we go to now. That was then, I guess. I think I missed that. Yes, that was then. This is now. We see Wolverine has a room full of the new armor. And uh, he's with the offer now, of course. And um, they're talking about Sabretooth. Now something big's going down, and the offer is considering another approach. He just wants to get in Sabretooth's way a little bit, just enough to get his attention. But you don't have to be involved. Our deal was to keep you away from Sabretooth. But Wolverine says, you know what? Nope, I'm good. You want to poke Creed? I'm in. Offer's like, hell yeah, and they high five. <laughs> then we get another flashback, and Wolverine has uh, discovered the location of the... Uh, Uncanny X-Men base, which, you know what? For all the things he says here to Kenny, he doesn't really mention at all that he now knows that Scott has his students hiding in an old Weapon X facility. I think that might be a little more of a point of contention. But anyway, he calls out Kenny and, and they argue. Yeah, so basically they, they talk about what happened in the last story arc in Killable, where what happened between Wolverine and Sabretooth. Kitty is mad that um, he put everybody in danger just for a grudge, and that Wolverine should have gotten help. And then she's also mad that Wolverine left his school. That, you know, why is he, wanted, why is he trying to harm himself? And Wolverine pops his claws and growls at Kitty. And she basically, she kind of cries a little bit, like, in a good way, not being a crybaby. Like, she's very upset. And basically says, do what you want to do. I'll let you. She goes, you kill me, you prove me right. You prove you're a coward. You'd rather be an animal than face his fear, coward. Wolverine pulls his claws in and storms off again. Really nice art here of Kitty being so upset. And then we see him meeting with a life model decoy. So we're getting some answers. This is the answer issue. And he basically tells the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, he goes, um, Yeah, so Wolverine, you've established your cover with both factions, meaning both X-Men schools. Wolverine's like, yep. So all that was just a ruse. But he said, I said some stuff I didn't mean, and some stuff I did mean that I didn't mean to say. <laughs> and I think sums up kind of me and Denise both felt about the whole first part of this issue that it's Wolverine intentionally putting distance between himself and the X-Men so they really believe that he's gone off the deep end. And so we find out this S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's a life model decoy is masquerading as a member of the press and we see his face and it's the guy that Wolverine shot in issue one. So that was all a setup. So then we get an org chart of Offer's organization. It's the Offer uh, Pinch the other dude, the dude with the hoodie, and Wolverine. And Creed's current organization is, of course, Creed, Mystique, uh, Mr. Deathstrike, Silver Samurai, and The Hand. And so S.H.I.E.L.D. knows that the offer has been trying to link his organization to Sabretooth, and he'll see you as something Creed might be interested in. If Creed feels you've started making the same life choices he did, he might think you've learned your lesson, that you'll finally want to join him. But Creed's looking to step up his game. And we want you to, to get him so we can extract him before uh, he does something that can't be undone, before he causes too much damage. The layout on this is very interesting. It's like a little slideshow on the Life Model Decoy's iPad that he's showing Wolverine. And he says, whenever you kill me, you'll be completely in Offer's organization. That'll, that'll seal the deal. And Wolverine says that uh, 
He told Murray Hill he's up for it. He's got to find a new way to prove he can still cut it. A way that doesn't involve... I'm sorry, Wolverine doesn't say doesn't. He says don't. A way that don't involve flying off the handle and risking innocent people. And they say, well, it may not be that cut and dry. There might be some innocent people involved here. And he makes a good point, a really good line Cornell wrote here. He says, going on this mission can't be the end of your moral questions, Logan. This is just the start. But the reason they think you're right for this is that you're wise enough to realize that. So a week later, Wolverine sweep, Logan is sweeping on a park bench. The offer walks by and sees him. Then the next day, he walks by again and approaches him. Says, I think you need a new direction. Let me make you an offer. So we come back to now. Logan hanging out in this new gang. All right. So basically, uh, the art by Stegman is quite good. And the story is really good. Like I said, we get lots of answers of Wolverine's motivations. The sides he's playing, the game he's playing, what's he really doing, why is he acting so out of character. It's all a ruse, but subconsciously some of it might be a little bit true. It's definitely something he's struggling with, but he but he is on a mission. He's on a mission for the good guys, basically to help the offer infiltrate Sabretooth. Basically just taking a whole go around, a whole different viewpoint of the whole Sabretooth thing. And, you know, maybe take some other gangs down too while he's at it. So I really enjoyed this issue quite a bit. Uh, Denise liked it quite a bit too, I believe. She said that she wanted to give Wolverine number four five out of six claws. I was there too, but going back, reading it the second time, because I, I read it when it first came out, and now it's like almost a month later. Um, I'm going to bump mine up. I'm going to go from five to six out of six claws. I really, I think it's well written. Real good dialogue, fantastic art. We can get some answers, but there's still like intrigue left in the story so it's not like it's over <laughs> so yeah so we'll, uh, Denise will give Wolverine number four five out of six claws and I will give it six out of six claws okay so up next we have Savage Wolverine number 17 Savage the conclusion of Wrath aka Wolverine Lawless starring Shia LaBeouf <laughs> <laughs> story and art by Richard Eisenhove Letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Richard Eisenhove. And there was a variant cover, which I forgot to look at, by John Cassidy and Paul Mounts. I have the Eisenhove cover. What's going on in this cover, Denise? Well, we've got Logan with his bone claws sticking out. He's covered in blood, and he's kind of in a weird crouching. Yeah, Wolverine likes to crouch. Yeah, and his shadow, which is kind of up on a wall behind him, is his Wolverine, what is it, his yellow? Yeah, Yeah. his uniform. Now, as much as I complain about not liking the iPad iPad version versus the floppies, I like the iPad version of this better. You can actually see the brush strokes. Like in the shadow? Yeah, like in the markers. Like look up in the corner. Right oh, there. wow, yeah. Yeah, this was done. That looks really um, cool. That makes the cover a lot better. Yeah, I was noticing when we were doing the intro that um, you can see all of the little, like, even in his neck, you can see. If you stare very hard, you can make yourself see it on the print. I will say, this is the problem with digital Blackness. Art. Well, no, so with digital art, you know, you're looking at a bright, vibrant screen. So this is what the artist saw. So they thought it was really cool and sent it to print. And then when it gets printed, because the blacks are so, they're just slightly different here and there, 
it makes it really hard to see when it gets printed. Really love the digital version just because you can even see like in the W, he's got some color variants. I will say I really like the background of this cover. Wolverine himself, I'm not super crazy about. So can I point something out? Okay. That in all of these issues... Yeah, we've had the same theme with Wolverine in olden days and a modern shadow behind him. Yeah, he never wears his costume. No, I've never he didn't have fully, a costume yet. I don't get the shadow. I don't get what concept they're trying to portray. They're trying to say this is Wolverine in his past. So the shadow is like his future. It's like foreshadowing. Okay. I don't mind the concept. I thought it was a little overused to do it on every cover of this story. I like uh, the fact that there was something similar and it changed depending on what yeah. was going on on the inside of the comic. I will say this one looks like a an old horror movie poster. I, okay. Which is why I kind of wish Wolverine looked a little more... Menacing? Either No, I was going to say either like photographic or more stylized. Like I feel like tonally there's, there's a tone and a theme to kind of the background that doesn't really match... The foreground to me. You can disagree, but that's kind of... No, I agree. I guess I what I would have wished, because obviously once you read this one, I would have wished that in the beginning it was his shadow and as his sh just a plain ordinary shadow. And then as his shadow progressed, you got more and more of the uniform to the point at which the last one was... The you want to see the was... shadow in the comic? No, 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 no. Like, like what we got. Oh, oh from cover to cover. From cover okay, to gotcha, cover. Gotcha. So, like, Sorry. from cover to cover, the uniform becomes a little bit more noticeable. Defined. Right. Yeah, okay. until it gets to the end. I think that would have made a stronger cover series. I agree. Yeah. Good call. That's why I'm the creative director. Yes. Marvel needs you. You should apply there. We can move to New York, right? Uh, I don't know if I want to raise Ethan in New York. We don't have to live in the city. Oh, okay. Well, then that's fine. <laughs> All okay. right. So remember in this series so far, or this story arc so far, uh, we're in the 1930s. 30s. Wolverine had a bootlegger friend who got killed by some Chicago mobsters. Wolverine cut up the mobsters. Now they want revenge. Yeah. So we are now November 13th, 1933 at the Rapid Creek Motel in South Dakota. I love this first panel. You know why I love it? Because my brother lived in Rapid City, South Dakota, and this looks exactly like where he lived. And he lived in an old motel. This looks like a movie shot. Yeah, it does. Like an opening shot, an establishing motel. shot, I guess you call it. Just stick a little house up there. <laughs> True. We got the Bates Motel going. Yeah, it looks really nice. Yeah, so we're at the motel, and one of the gangster guys knocks on the door. He's like, I got some Snickers. Sinkers. Sinkers. Which are donuts. If they sink, you can put them in the coffee. My grandma, really? My grandma called them soakers. That they used to say, no, I'm sorry. Bis donuts were sinkers. Biscuits were soakers. So if you had an okie soaky, that's where you... That sounds perverted. You took... <laughs> it's not a sex move. It's a, it's a food item. <laughs> Again, I, sounds perverse. I know the two are often mixed, but um, not with grandma. Um, basically, you took a biscuit and put it in your coffee. All right, let it get soggy and stir it up. And that's, Ew, that's an so did you eat? I've never had an okie soki. I don't like, I love biscuits, don't like coffee. I don't want things floating in my coffee. Gross. Anyway, so the mobster's bringing donuts and basically he says, geez, it smells. So we find out. Yeah, all right, so Wolverine's, the family he's helping, the the dad, the, the bootlegger who got killed, had a bunch of kids. Wolverine's been trying to help him around, and one of the kids got in trouble and got shot. 
these guys took him back to the hotel. I guess I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead, too. And I think Wolverine thought he was dead. I believe so. And so, but no, we find out that these guys took the kid back to get some information from him. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure Wolverine would not have left him there if he thought he was alive. I agree. But apparently the kid's gut is starting to stink. Yeah, so they, because he's rotting. Yeah, they tell the, the guy who brought the sinkers to leave the door open. And basically the guy says, hey, you know what? We didn't cause too much of a stir because we're below the fold, which is a great print term. I love that term. We're below the fold. See, no one really read the top part. Yeah. But apparently the head guys in Chicago are not liking. They're not impressed. No. And so he says, I think we need to leave. And the two guys, they're like, uh-uh. Not going to happen. Yeah. So Marion and Frenchie are our characters that we care deeply about. Yes. <laughs> but they're the bad guys in this story arc. Yeah. Yeah. So the boy wakes up and he says he's thirsty. And so he goes, well, let's have a, a chat. And then as the other guy's leaving, Frenchie tells them, hey, where are you going? Why don't you come inside and have a donut? Yep. As he's like sharpening his razor. We head over on to Wolverine. He's in the clunker of a logan there's no wolverine i'm yet. sorry we head over to logan <laughs> and it, they're welcome to colorful colorado yep, they're in colorado they're taking the kids to see their aunt yeah in the clunker of a jeep they get to the farm and they farm owners think that they're transients and then they realize they're family and so so the guy is very thankful to wolverine to logan yes asking to stay so he has an open invitation but Logan's like, no, nah, I've been nothing but bad news for these kids. I got to go. So the guy gives him a motorcycle. Which I thought was awesome. It was awesome. Because it was kind of like Wolverine's Yeah, in the 30s, well, motorcycles are pretty new, right? Yeah. So he probably hasn't ridden a bunch of them yet. Maybe none. This might be his first motorcycle. So uh-huh. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, we get to the back to the motel, and Frenchie and Marion are leaving, and they talk about whether or not they need a map, and then we get a... No, just get out your iPhone. Then we get an inside panel of the room, and it looks like they've suffocated the boy and slit their friend's neck. Yeah. And that was interesting. The, the, you see the sun going down, and the, you get a of like the flicker of the neon in the motel yeah. sign, and then the room's all in red from the neon. Yeah, I thought Outside that was the window. Cool. It was really interesting. So we go back to the farm, and basically Wolverine's drinking his coffee, and he, the girl wakes up. I can't remember her name. Sophia. Sophia. She wants him to stay. Yeah, and he, he says... Knows he can't. He can't, and she goes, well, take me with you. So he leaves, and he stops out at a little diner. Oh, and well, I want to point out, because I kind of get the point that she might have a little crush on him. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird how she was like, just take me with you. Yeah, it's kind of awkward, but anyway, that that might come back to play. So the next day. The next day. It's snowing. It's snowing. He's at a diner, and basically the lady's just chatting him up, and he says, I'm here to visit friends, and she goes, oh, I just saw two guys. They asked how to get out there, too. Wolverine Yeah, Valley Heart Ranch. Yeah. He's like, uh-oh, oh, shit. Yeah, so he heads back, and unfortunately he sees- A great shot of him on his motorcycle. Yeah. Driving in the snow on a mountain road. But he arrives at the farm to see Frenchie's car and see Bert laying in the doorway with his throat slit. And then- They killed a dog. They killed the dog, and they're sticking a knife through the little girl's eye. Yeah, like digging it around in there or something. That's really gross. (laughs) And they've tied the ant to- A set of antlers. We get a cool double snicked. As Logan yells, and basically they fight. Marion says, I can ignore the pain, and him and Frenchie get in a lot of good shots. 
Uh, they hit the ant. Uh, we get lots of good bone claw action. So basically, um, Sophia stabs a guy in the foot. The mo- the ant pulls the antlers off the wall. And kind of a weird, like, would you really be funny? Like, would this lady really have a one-liner here? But she says, thankfully, Bert, you were a better husband than you were a handyman. And she pulls the antlers off the wall and stabs Frenchie through the chest with them. I want to know why this. she's just now pulling the antlers off the wall. See, I thought it would have been more interesting to leave the wisecrack out of it and just... Like she finally had enough. Like the adrenaline. Yeah. Like finally kicked in and she was able to just do... You know, they talk about how... (laughs) Remember we watched the the pilot of the old Incredible Hulk show the other night? Awful. That whole episode is about like the Hulk trying to figure out why some people have superhuman strength during adrenaline spikes and some don't. Anyway, that aside, I always think it'd be more interesting if they just attributed this whole scene to that. Yeah. She just finally, I just got this just uber human strength by adrenaline and was able to pull this thing out of the wall instead of a wisecrack about, oh, you weren't very handy. (laughs) I will say, I I thought this was one of the more gruesome. This comic lived up to his name. It's, It's pretty savage. Yeah. So she stabs him. Logan says, time to take it outside, and he throws Marion out in the snow, which I actually love these panels. It's all widened out. Yeah, it's It's awesome. Um, And basically, Wolverine kind of does a classic Wolverine. Well, if you can block out the pain in your brain, then I just got to take out your brain. And he basically shoves his bone claws into Marion's head. I got to say, this scene is very reminiscent of a scene we'll get to, I don't know, probably a year or two in the flashback episodes. A very early issue of the Wolverine solo series where they have a flashback of uh, Logan and Creed fighting at Logan's cabin in the woods Uh and it's snowing. And this guy looks a little bit like old school Creed. He has long blonde hair. So this scene of them fighting in the snow reminds me of that a lot. I want to say it's Wolverine number 10. I should know that. I may Google it real fast to make sure. Yeah, so Sophia comes outside and Wolverine says, it is finished. And then we flash forward to modern day. Modern day. At a retirement home in Buena Vista, Colorado. And you see this old lady and Logan walks up and says, Sophia So the old lady is Sophia. Yeah. And she has a glass eye, and she basically gives Logan uh, her family history lesson. Yeah, and then it just ends. She did say something like, I remember you being more handsome, which kind of goes back to the the feeling that maybe she had a a thing for him. Right. (laughs) But it's funny, he's like, uh, sorry? (laughs) Oops. Sorry I'm not more handsome. I don't know what to say. You haven't aged a bit. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so... What do you think of this? So out of all of them, this one was the most interesting. (laughs) Yes. I was a little, I thought it was kind of violent. Too violent? Well. I mean, it's pretty violent. It is. It's not super bloody. No, but I kept thinking like this isn't, when I was reading it, I kept going, ooh. But then I thought, well, this isn't any more than Walking Dead. I mean, Walking Dead does some pretty gross stuff, but it's all in black and white, so there's no color. Right. So I think it was all the blood splatter. Yeah. Kind of oog me out just a little. Yeah. So what do you think of the art? I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's good, not great. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not into this style. So it was really hard for me to like completely dig this art. But I respect the person who did it. No, yeah. I mean, they're a pro. They did yeah. a good job. Yeah, I thought to end kind of an okay story, it was a pretty strong ending. All right, well, when are you going to grade Savage Wolverine number 17? 
give it three out of six. I will also give it three out of six. And next, I think we have another old story. I don't remember who's doing it. I can look it up, but I don't care. It'll, it'll happen when it happens. Okay. Moving All right, let's on. move on. Okay, next up, we have Wolverine and the X-Men, number three. This is written by Jason Latour with art by Mamoon Azrar. Hope I'm saying that right, because I like his art. I never. I should learn how to say it. Oh, well. You should tweet him and ask him. I should. Color is by Israel Silva. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by Azrar and Gracia. Marte Gracia does the color on the covers. And on the cover, we have like a fractured picture of the X-Men and Storm and a lot of strain picking up the school. It's a pretty good cover, I guess. I don't get it. <laughs> I think it's like Storm is... Straining under the weight of of being in charge of the school now. So, remember, uh, the Phoenix Corporation, a.k.a. Phoenix Cult, is getting ready to attack the school. They want to nip Evan in the bud before he can ever turn into Apocalypse. And they want Choir to help them do it. Because he's the future Phoenix. So we start off with Evan uh, giving... uh, I guess book report in class or a, a report. And Storm says, good job. And then we see Storm being attacked by, uh, what what do we call him? Big dude. No, he had a, a fake, what choir call him? Suck Dynasty. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Suck Dynasty. Yeah. And of course, he's fighting Storm and Wolverine. And this is Tomorrow Never Learns, Chapter 3, True Believers. So I like with the internal dialogue... It's kind of an example of what I was telling you about a couple episodes ago, I think. So we have Wolverine's dialogue box, and it's blue outlined with yellow inside. But the first box has a little, like, uh, avatar of his claws. Okay, I, I'm glad you told me because I couldn't figure out who that was. Really? Yeah. But it's his claws. Yeah, it looks like bullets to me. <laughs> You're not very good at context clues, are you? <laughs> I got last week when it was a little thunderbolt. Yeah. It, it would have been better had there been like scratches. Okay. I thought it was really cool. So anyway, we have Wolverine talking about how badass Storm is. And he's right. Because uh, he's got a thing for her. Oh, yeah. They're they're kind of still faux dating right now. Faux dating? Yeah. Faux sure. What? Faux dating. Faux sure. For sure. Faux sure. Show? Yeah. <laughs> You <laughs> got all Cajun on the phone, <laughs> Don't get me started. Or not, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> right, no more talking for you. I'm tired and I don't feel well. Anyway, we get a snicked. And so apparently all the Bamps are on Suck Dynasty's side. Okay, so why do all their foreheads look like they're on fire? That's him using his telekinetic or telepathic fire, his Phoenix Force, I guess. When he's been trained in to use a Phoenix Force. And he's got a bad case of indigestion. Yeah. His tummy's on fire. Yeah. So Wolverine basically says that he swore not to repeat what he did with his X-Force squad where they killed the first Apocalypse clone. Okay, so that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, that's the flashback. Okay, I was confused. But this guy's also shown him the future. I guess he's basically saying, if I have to choose between Quentin and Evan, 
I'm going to choose Quentin. And if this is really what Evan's going to do, then I made the wrong choice and I still have to kill him. Right, is that the gist of what you got from that? Yeah, I didn't realize that was a flashback and forward. Yeah, so we have a flash forward and a flashback. And Storm kind of talks some sense into him. And says, uh, oh, boo. We must <laughs> trust Dupe. <Duke>. Slimer. <laughs> Freaking hate Dupe. And the students to protect Evan for now. No matter what we believe or fear these children might become, we must fight for their right to choose. Then so we go in choir's mind where this Phoenix Corporation guy is in there with him. Uh, I like how he's in this big room and he's spray painted Dork Phoenix. <laughs> Instead of Dark Phoenix on the wall. I thought that was pretty funny. I love how he's just... And his shirt says mental problems. And it's like one of the old school pictures of Charles Xavier. Is that a flashback? On his shirt? Yeah. It's an old, old picture of Xavier putting his hands on his head. Doing his, to me, my X-Men. I I love choir shirts. I do too. One of my favorite parts of this book. So then apparently in one of his locked mental doors, there's a room full of cockroaches for some reason. I don't even really get this. It's a red room. Red room. Red room. Where choir's giving Wolverine a haircut. And he has bugs on him. Yeah, and Wolverine's like a father figure to him, and this scares choir. Then we go back to the school and dupes on a phone with a... Dupe Slurpee? Dupe stress ball. I don't know what that is, but it's stupid. A dupe pile of dupe. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he duped out a little dupe. And um. anyway, Suck Dynasty Does shows up. Dupe have dreads? Has he no, always had those bumps on his head? More, yeah. People draw them a little different, but yes. So he doesn't look like Slimer? Yes. <laughs> but he's, yet he still does. I wonder how his little X stays on his body. You I think, think it's it just part of him. slimes it on himself? I don't know. I don't even care. <laughs> anyway, Duke, I guess, is supposedly the baddest ass at the X-Mansion. <laughs> My mouth's all dry. I can't make farting noises. There you go. So he goes after Suck Dynasty himself. Then Krakoa attacks it, Suck Dynasty, and the students have to all run inside. I don't care about that. Um, oh, you don't care about the Lion King? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's holding uh, up. His, I, you know, I, I didn't even look to bother with it or bother to look what was in that panel. Um, there's a panel that looks just like Lion King. Yeah. So basically, this young guy is trying to talk Quentin into taking on the Phoenix power that he's meant for it. And he's got to stop Evan before he turns into Apocalypse. Who the hell is this? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> it was Okay, I'm glad it I was wasn't. like a Shi'ar version of Astro Boy. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who didn't know. Is it this guy? I don't know. Why does he have black eyes? I don't care. It doesn't mean anything. I don't care. Tell us how you really feel. So basically, Choir says, you know what? Maybe you make sense. Maybe you don't. But screw you for trying to tell me what to do. No one tells me what to do. And he attacks Jung and then Wolverine and Storm bust in. I, no, I guess basically he kicks. So I guess he, he really, he kicks Jung out of his mind. And then Wolverine and Storm can attack him. This is a really cool panel of Wolverine holding him up by the neck. And he's like, see, Quentin, they're all just violence. And somehow he pries the image out of Wolverine's head that Suck Dynasty put there of the alternate future. And he shows it to Quentin. And he, I guess he sees Idy crying with Evan as Apocalypse. I don't really know what that means. And Quentin's like, screw you some more. And the guy turns all old. And he goes, kill, kill, kill. 
Like uh, Miss Hannigan from Annie? Yeah, but I love you. Kill my sexy nuns. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> um, all right, so then we see uh, Suck Dynasty stops at the statue of Jean Grey at the school to pay homage. ID decides, you know what? I'm not going to let them. this guy take us. So she's going to go out and find him. She puts on her uniform from the future. Okay, that confused me. And she did her hair. Yes, that's why it confused me. I don't know why she felt like she needed to do her hair. I guess she's trying to look like Storm. I mean, I this whole thing has a Storm look to it. It does, but it that's ID from the future. I mean, that's ID. That's the exact oh, same ID. Is, is it actually ID from the future? I thought it was... Because that's ID from the future. I know. She said, I told you they'd come for us. I'm sorry if you're not ready, but I am. So I thought she just, I thought her being ready was changing clothes and running outside. I thought so too, but this is the exact same ID from yes. the flashback. But is this the start of the future? Or or is this a time traveler? Now that you mentioned, I see, I just assumed it was the start of the future, but maybe you're right. I don't know how we would know if Rockslide was older or not, and he looks the same. I can't tell if Hellion is older or not. I don't know. You'll but, you'll find out what I think in my reading. Okay, but basically, what in your reading? In my rating. Oh, rating. Basically, Suck Dynasty says, you're at Wolverine School, you're taking his side, he's a killer, he's a monster, so you're all monsters too, you're all bad guys, you're not innocent children. But see, but then he shows them the future, so that's why I think they're the present. Okay, is that, I, I didn't get what all he's trying to do. Yeah. And he's basically telling them, anyway, and, and Evan sees it too, so that's got to make him upset. And then basically Choir collapses in the snow on his way back home, and we see some random legs, which I think might be Cyclops. With the little stripes on the legs. Yeah. Plus this, in the snowy mountains, that might be Canada, so it might be his base. I don't know. Uh... But to be continued. All right, what do you think of this book? I will start off saying I think the art is awesome. I think the art was great. The story, however... is a little confusing and not very strong. A little? Try a lot. <laughs> well, I have, this... a little, I have a little more history, so it wasn't quite as confusing to me. It was but it was still, even as an X-Bert, um, there were still things I didn't quite get. Well, and it was hard to follow, just narratively. It was. Because one, it was... So... I didn't catch on to the claws being Wolverine, so I wasn't sure. I thought it was Storm or some bodiless narrator. <laughs> that one I really don't get. But Yeah. Anyway, sorry. and then the whole, I wasn't sure that they, I, I didn't catch on. They were showing a flashback and a flash forward, and then I couldn't figure out what he was doing. I didn't realize he was showing them the future. And Basically, so, he's trying to convince everybody that he's on the right side. Then he has to kill Evan to save the world, and they should all applaud him. <coughs> yeah. Yay. If if Yay, I suck dynasty, do the do your thing. If I did not, if I hadn't read, this was the first comic I picked up. I, this would have been the last one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I think we definitely have a thing of of him coming back to the past has kickstarted the future. Yes, uh, a classic. Uh, I'm a time traveling dumbass trope. Yes. Um, I'm not. Re- I just. I wasn't ready for another big Phoenix story yet. I just don't finding it hard to be excited about this. I also just realized that at one point, uh, Quentin Quire changed his shirt to Tupacalypse Now. Oh, I didn't see. Did that. Tupac ever have an album called that? Because he should have if he didn't. No, I don't think he did. Okay, he should have. That could have been the name of the whole album he did from Beyond the Grave. Okay. 
You don't remember the the song his post mortem song? No. Oh yeah. He released songs after he was dead. Michael Jackson still has songs that he released so that when he felt like stop singing he didn't want to sing anymore he could still release songs yeah yeah he has something like 40 or 50 i don't know i mean i know the whole point of the character is nature versus nurture i mean of of kid apocalypse that is but other than the little flashes of the end of uncanny x-force we haven't seen any darkness out of evan at all no i feel like we're going from i'm the best student at the school to apocalypse and like with no middle ground. Like this story to me would have a lot more weight if they built up to him like, you know, losing his temper from time to time or being real broody. I mean, we've had that a little bit where it's like, oh, he's by himself. But that's been so quick and forced that it doesn't really make me pull for let's have the apocalypse story now. You know, I don't know. I get a charmed feeling. A charmed feeling. Yeah. So in Charmed, which was, what was that on the WB? Yeah, that was on the Dupe channel. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they had a thing. One of the, the sisters had a baby. And of course, it's, oh, he's going to turn evil. And one of the sisters poses the question, does he turn evil because we think he's going to turn evil? So all of our shenanigans of trying to make him not turn evil basically makes him turn evil. So we're the ones causing it. I kind of feel like that's the path that's going down it. It's like he turned evil because we all thought he was going to turn evil. And so, ergo, we caused his evilness. Had we just sort of left it alone, he would have been fine. Well, I hope, since we're stuck in this story, I hope that Evan grows mean and kicks Suck Dynasty back to the future. And just kicks his ass all the way back to the future. All right, so what do you think of this issue? It's going to get three out of six. (laughs) And the only reason why he gets a three is because of the art. I'm going to say the same thing. Three out of six squads because of the art. And there's some good character moments. Uh, Dupe pisses me off. <laughs> I do like that Choir tells the Phoenix no. Yeah, yeah, he basically tells him, you're an a-hole, leave me alone. I don't like the whole Phoenix Corporation. I don't like Suck Dynasty. Um, I don't like the jumping right to Apocalypse being Apocalypse. Anyway, Wolverine and the X-Men number three will get three out of six claws, and I feel like I'm being generous. All right, moving on. Okay, next up we have Amazing X-Men number six. All in the family. Writer is Jason Aaron. Penciler is Cameron Stewart. Colors are Rachel Rosenberg. Probably Rochelle. Oh, sorry, Rochelle. Oh, my glasses. Rosenberg. Letters is VC's Joe Caramanja. Caramanja, like lasagna. Yeah, cover by McGinnis, Vines, and Gracia. Yeah, it says Ed McGinnis, Dexter Vines, and Marte Gracia. On the cover, we have Nightcrawler fighting his mom, Mystique, in the darkness with a family feud. Survey says... What do you think of this cover? Uh, I kind of like all the movement. I like uh, Nightcrawler's blade going through Mystique's gun and slicing it in half. And then she's shooting and it's reflecting off of... Well, is it a reflect or is it she just completely miss him? I don't know. It's just the muzzle shot, I think. Yeah. I think that's the bullet. Yeah. So she just missed him. But I like how his tail kind of wraps under like he's trying to cop a field. (laughs) 
Or tickle her armpit. Yeah. If I tickle her, she'll miss. Uh, anyway, I like the art on it. It's a really cool cover. I like the pose. I don't like Family Feud. The words Family Feud. I feel like it was an afterthought. All right. So, of course, Nightcrawler's back. And what happens? So, we're at Harry's hideaway. Yes. Classic X-Men hangout. And Wolverine is proposing a toast to welcoming back Kurt. And all the X-Men are there in their unitards because they've never heard of Casual Friday. Uniforms. Unitards. And they're all welcoming home Kurt, but he's not there. He's sitting on the rooftop. Sulking. And he is keeping an eye on the shield transportation truck that is taking Azazel to Rikers Island. He's in power dampeners. Yeah. And so he bamps back down and Wolverine. And and basically, there's a really nice monologue that uh, Nightcrawler gives about. Family is great. He has a wonderful family. But everybody in the family has some black sheep. And just at that moment, that's when Cyclops... Kitty. The uncanny X-Men show up. And basically Wolverine's like, oh, uh uh-uh. Nightcrawler steps in and says, you know what? We're family. I know what happened because Xavier was in heaven, told me all about it. So right now let's just pretend that we're just one really big family and that we like each other for Charles' sake. Just real quick before we move past that, I really like this dialogue here because Kitty says, uh, Logan, before you go popping in in claws, just know we didn't come here to fight. (laughs) Wolverine says, you know who says that, Kitty? People who know they just walked into a fight. (laughs) And then even with uh, Nightcrawler and Cyclops, Nightcrawler says, I was with Charles Xavier after he died, after you killed him, Scott. And Cyclops is like, Kurt, I didn't. And Nightcrawler's like, not now. Let's not do that now. Like, uh, I thought it was really good dialogue. It was. I don't like Kitty's face, though, when Nightcrawler and Cyclops hug. She looks like she's popping a squat. A happy squat. Yeah. So every, and of course, Wolverine jokes that he hopes Cyclops brought his own credit card because he's not putting anything on his tab. The barkeep or waitress, whatever you want to call her, is walking around picking stuff up and she kind of gives Kurt the eye and he bamps into the, the room and is like, hello, mother. And of course, we find out the waitress is Mystique. Uh-oh, come to see your son. Come to see your son. She want to know how Kurt could see her because even Wolverine can't see her anymore. Which I don't get that. I, I think maybe there may be something in a story that I'm just not remembering. Yeah, I don't remember it either. So basically, he bamps her outside <laughs> outside, and tells her to hurry up and leave because he's not going to do this at his welcome home party. And she's not really that interested in him. She's more no. interested in... She wants to know if his dad is back on Earth. And so Wolverine comes knocking, Elf, where are you at? And so they kind of bamf around. And lo and behold, he... I didn't get this because all he says is make me bamf again and you'll find yourself in a cell at Rikers. Right. And she's like, Riker Island. That, so that's where he is. Yeah, I guess she's saying that, well, that's where you're taking your prisoners. If that's where you're going to take me. And he's a prisoner already. So that must be where he's going. It's a little. That, that was. Yeah, that's a stretch. Plus. No. Yeah, I won't save it. I'll say it now. I don't understand why Mystique who is in disguise as Dazzler, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., doesn't just know where the S.H.I.E.L.D. transport is taking him anyway. Because she's only the liaison. Whatever. She doesn't have that high of a... She doesn't have that clearance? Yeah. She doesn't have the special scanny badge. Anyway, so she takes off... On a lanyard? Yeah, on a lanyard. So she takes off on Wolverine's motorcycle. Wolverine's like, whoa! And basically Kurt says... 
uh, we got a problem. And the, this is my favorite. Wolverine says, what the hell is happening? What is this? And Nightcrawler says, worst possible thing, Logan, my family reunion. And Wolverine goes, he kind of face palms. He goes, oh, hell. Yeah. <laughs> so he knows. Uh, Nightcrawler bams on top the shield transport vehicle. These are which, my two favorite panels of the comic. Yeah. The Nightcrawler looks really cool because he's all in shadow. And then you see him in the next panel. You see like a shadow of him throwing a red bamf off the truck. It yeah. Looks really fun. I, I do like how the truck is covered in little bamfs. It looks yeah. like little ants. Yeah, kind of. And one of the bamfs, <laughs> he bamfs out the driver and the driver's like, oh, hell. And the truck goes over because he did. He bamfed out the driver. Um, they bamf out Azazel and they take the dampener off of him and... Him and Kurt get into a skirmish. Yep. Mystique shows up, blazing guns. They have a little uh, mother-father conversation. Yep. They're arguing in front of the kids. Uh-huh. And Azazel's like, not in front of this child. Basically, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler runs says, to attack him, and yeah. then we jump ahead. Nightcrawler's knocked out on the street. And he asks Logan, did they get away? Logan just kind of looks at him and puts his hand on his shoulders. The next panel is a bamf, and we see Azazel and Mystique somewhere in the woods. And basically, she says, I came here to kill you. And he goes, well, you don't seem to be doing it. And she goes, how would you like a job? I think he need, she needs his teleportation powers. Yeah, she Plus, wants to kill soul, him, though. Yeah, so she's mad at him. Oh, yeah. But she, she needs him. I, I love her eyes in this panel yeah. where she's holding the gun. Because you can tell she wants to shoot him, but she knows she needs him. Right. So it's that, dang it, not right now. Which I won't lie. I'm hoping that what Jason Aaron is doing here is setting up for Azazel to be a little less like he started off and a little more like he was in X-Men First Class. I don't know that, Azazel. Okay. You ever see X-Men First Class? Is that the movie? Yeah. I don't remember Azazel in it. Yeah, he was the red nightcrawler guy that jumped around. I don't remember him. Oh, okay. Well, he's in there. I guess we need to Netflix that. Yeah. So then we go back to the pub where Nightcrawler and Wolverine are sitting at the bar. The night ke- the barkeep says, you know, some of us got to work in the morning. Right. And Nightcrawler goes, oh, I shouldn't have drank those three beers. And so he stumbles out of the bar and he thanks Logan for everything. He goes, I really love this. I really did. And believe it or not, I even love you, Wolverine. And Wolverine says, boy, are you drunk? Love you too, elf. Now come on, let's go home. And they go walking into the sunset or sunrise. I really thought this was a nice, fun story. I thought it was a quick story. It was. And it sounds like, I think it's... But not in a it bad says way. All the Family Part 1, and All the Family will be Jason Aaron's last story arc. Okay. So, before he turns it over, I will say I was very up and down on the art. I didn't like it at all starting off, especially the full-page spread of all the X-Men in the bar. I think most of the X-Men look pretty horrible. Plus, dupes there. But even like, like Northstar, looks like a little kid. You know, and I don't like the way Rachel looks. I don't know. Anyway. I, I feel like this panel was rushed. I think his style is a little cartoony. I don't really like his Nightcrawler either. I didn't like Mystique. I felt like she was she looked too young. She didn't look womanish. She looked like she was sixteen, like a teenager. And you're right. I don't I don't like how he drew Nightcrawler either. I like the way he draws the bamps. That's probably really about it. <laughs> I mean, he's very kind of cartoony, and that's his style. But 
So yeah, so we set up. I guess Nightcrawler is going to have to go after his dad again. So we'll see where that story goes. But Amazing X-Men number six, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give this one... Hmm, I'm going to give it five out of six. I didn't think the art was as strong, but it was a quick-paced story that I felt like gave me enough information and had me curious at the end. I'm going to be a little harsher on the art. I'm going to give it four out of six claws. Ooh. I did like the story. That was a nice, fun breakout story. Mystique trying to like play both sides. I really like the conversations, kind of reestablishing and reconnecting the best friendship between Wolverine and Nightcrawler. And the part of the end was fun. Them walking off, stumbling out together drunk. Though it almost seems like Wolverine is uh, condoning drunk driving. No, they're walking home. <laughs> I know, but what he, he says to bamf it off which bamfing teleporting is kind of nightcrawler's driving i'm not really sure he should be teleporting while he's drunk <laughs> where's he gonna teleport to i don't know if he's drunk who knows where he'll end up <laughs> the shower I, I see three trees i need to teleport between them. oh i woke up in this tree and died <laughs> <laughs> they don't actually show him teleporting i think they're really gonna walk but anyway, I thought it was a funny little weird thing for him to say. Poor Nightcrawler. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to give Amazing X-Men number six, four out of six claws. Denise gives it five out of six claws. Let's keep going. Okay, so next up we have Uncanny Avengers number 19. Continuing our Avenge the Earth storyline, or kind of picking off after the whole Planet X thing. We missed a couple issues because they missed Wolverine, but um, it'll be pretty easy to get back into it, I think. This is written by Rick Remender, art by Daniel Acuna, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, Daniel Acuna did the cover, and it's our Time Bandits. <laughs> we have Kang, R. Thor, Arno Stark, I think. Um, let's see, this guy is... Ahab. And we have Psylocke from Rick Remender's X-Force Future. We have Strife. We have Doom 2099. We have a version of the Abomination, Deathlock. We have Mae Parker, who's from Earth-X, right? That's correct, I believe. So anyway, they, of course, uh, Alex and Wasp on Planet X, ruled by Iman, were able to break the Tachyon Dam, and so Kang and his time bandits got through. And there's a, um, Planet X is kind of a, what it sounds like, it's a planet of mutants. And there's a mutant council that rules with Iman, and it is, um, versions of Magneto, uh, Storm, Jean, Cable, a statue of Professor X. Is that Rogue? Psylocke and Quicksilver, I guess. So they decided they have to stop Havoc in any means necessary. He will destroy the whole planet by allowing Kang to come here. And Kang wants Alex. So their plan is they have to get all the original Uncanny Avengers or the Unity Squad. And they can't send their bodies back. They have to send their consciousness back to their original bodies in the past. So their consciousness can guide their old bodies to fix the situation with the knowledge they have of the future and how the events actually turned out. Sounds pretty complicated, but, you know, whatever. So anyway, uh, Havoc and Janet, or Alex and Janet, Havoc and Wasp, <laughs> don't want to mix my real name, code name scenarios. They have a daughter, and Alex kind of stumbles. He says, well, if we do it this way, I'll lose my daughter. Like, she won't exist anymore. And Kang is like, you're right. I'll tell you what, I'll take her into the future with me now, and I'll bring her back to you later. Make the choice for you. And basically, he grabs her and disappears. And of course, Havoc is super pissed, but he re kind of reluctantly agrees to the plan. So all these, so basically, they have to gather everybody up 
from this team. They don't know where Wolverine and Sunfire are. And they are in the Great Hall of Iman, we'll call it. And they're in some stasis tube eternally burning and banshee is watching him and then of course he's a horseman so iman walks up with Dawkin and basically says these two used to be horsemen they didn't want to serve apocalypse and so that's why they have to stay here and scream forever and she tells Dawkin that after the ex-council gets havoc they want him dead and then she wants Dawkin to kill all the ex-council in their sleep and she's going to blame King for it and unite all the mutants on Planet X to stand against King and make sure he's defeated. So, but the ex-council finds Havoc and they kind of take the time bandits apart uh, one at a time. And Magneto decides that he is going to kill Havoc. But then Abomination breaks through the Great Hall of Iman and Dokken charges at him, kind of reminiscent of Wolverine versus Hulk a little bit. Thor hits him with his hammer and they say they're there to avenge the Earth to be continued. Like I said before, Akuna's art really, really fits this story. And I'm really digging this story. I know it's kind of off on its own thing and doesn't have anything to do with like, what's going on with the X-Books so much or Hickman's massive Avengers epic. But I still really enjoy it and I actually like it a little bit better than the regular Avengers stuff, if I'm to be completely honest. But yeah, I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers number 19. Um, hopefully Wolverine will wake up and take part pretty soon. But um, anyway, for now, I'm going to give this story, I really actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers 19 6 out of 6 claws. Can't wait to see what happens next. Okay, so next up we have Where's Logan? And we kind of barely have him in a bunch of places. <laughs> I'm going to start off with Uncanny Avengers Annual Number 1, which is actually in a good deal. Um, this is written by Rick Remender, art by Paul Renault, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, Arthur Adams did the cover, and on the cover we have our Uncanny Avengers, and we have Mojo behind him with his Supernatural Avengers, which are uh, Blade, Man-Thing, Ghost Rider, Doctor Strange, uh, some merman fish boy that the creature from the Blue Lagoon that what Brooke Shields looks like when she doesn't get a shower. I don't know. And uh, Satana the Succubus, who apparently is topless on the on the front cover, not so in the book. Anyway, this is a Mojoverse story. I hate the Mojoverse. I don't like any of these supernatural characters very much. Possible exception of Boyd. I like the concept of Boyd, but I've never really liked his stories. Anyways, this is pointless. In fact, the whole point of the story is Remender kind of talking about how pointless stories are, or like shallow entertainment. I would assume he counts good comic writers, or good writers in general, as the exception. Anyway, I, I like Remender a lot, but I'm not sure if, if the point of telling a story and then kind of having some meta joke about how it's just flashy, pointless entertainment really counts as actually making a point or not. Some of you may disagree. Some of you may think this is a very important indictment on the entertainment industry. But I agree with Remender. The story was pointless. And I kind of hated it. Yeah, I don't really want to say anything else. I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers Annual Number 1 0 out of 6 claws. Even worse because I spent 5 bucks on it. Okay, next up we have the Superior Spider-Man Number 31, the series finale. The plot is by Dan Slott. It's written by Christus Gage. Pencils by Giuseppe Camincoli, inks by John Dell and Terry Pallet, 
Below. Colors by Antonio Fabella. Letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And the cover is by Kevin Coley. And it's basically like a shattered glass with, well, it looks like a cover gallery of the Superior Spider-Man so far. And we have Spider-Man in his classic red and blue jumping through the shattered glass. This, of course, is the conclusion of Goblin Nation, uh, where Wolverine shows up as he's with the Avengers fighting the goblins and spider slayers. And basically, Peter is back. And he saves the day and he unmasks the goblin and it turns out that Norman Osborn has surgically altered his face to be um, Mason Banks, the Alchemex executive. And he's building a legacy for a little Normie. Of course, this all ties into 2099, which I never really read and don't really care that much about. Not that interested. And I'm kind of bummed that Superior Spider-Man is over, but I feel like Goblin Nation was a pretty good way to go out. And we also have a backup story. Uh, so Norman gets away and Spider-Man is... Peter Parker's back in his body for good. And he's got to figure out what to do next. We have a backup story by Christos Gage. Artist Will Sliney. Colors Edgar Delgado. And letters by Chris Eliopoulos. It's basically Mary Jane talking to Carly Cooper. And basically they decide you know that Peter's made a choice to be the hero and it's a good choice and he's a good person but it doesn't mean we're bad people if we choose not to to continue to be a part of that life and put ourselves at risk because we don't have superpowers and that's a decent little backup um overall I'm going to give this last chapter series finale I don't know I'm going to give it five out of six claws that was pretty good overall Next up, we have The Amazing Spider-Man number one. This is... The main story is by Dan Slott, penciled by Alberto Ramos, inked by Victor Alazaba, colors by Edgar Delgado. And basically, we see the origin, and uh-oh, after the spider bit Peter before it died, it bit, it bit an unnamed girl on the ankle. Then there's new crooks, the menagerie. Spider-Man fights him. He's back in his full amazing glory. Having that good old Parker luck, he loses all his clothes. He makes some web underwear. And basically, it's just him trying to pick up all the pieces without the memories of all the things that Doc Ock did when he was in his body. The most interesting of which, I think, is that uh, Anna Maria finds his engagement ring that that Spock was going to give her. And then she also realizes or finds out that he's Spider-Man. And when he comes back, I don't know, to me, that whole, like, how he's going to navigate that is the most interesting part of Amazing kicking off. Uh, We also have another story about Electro, written by Dan Slott and Christus Gage, penciled by Javier Rodriguez, inked by Alvaro Lopez, and colors by Javier Rodriguez. It's basically Electro uh, is out of control. His powers are out of control. And he's mad at the superior Spider-Man for tampering with his brain. Of course, he will go after the amazing Spider-Man because he doesn't know the difference. Then we have a Black Cat story, written again by Dan Slott and Christus Gage, penciled by Giuseppe Camincoli, inks by John Dell and Cam Smith, colors by Antonio Fabella. Basically, the Black Cat is bitter at superior Spider-Man for not liking her anymore and ruining her life. Uh, then we have a short story that has Wolverine in it, and it's basically a, a funny version, kind of a comedic version of Spider-Man's origin and description of his powers. Kind of reminded me of a silly version of what they used to do back in the 60s when they would put like little, I remember the X-Men had like, how my powers work, and this was actually called how my stuff works. 
Anyway, it's written by Joe Caramagna, our normal letterer. Chris Eliopoulos, also a normal letterer, does the art. And Jim Carolephidus is the colors. And basically, he talks about his origin and his powers, and he talks about all his friends, and Wolverine is included in one of his friends, but then it turns out, that's just a cardboard stand-up. All right, so then we also have a Spider-Man 2099 preview by Peter David. Art by Will Swiney. Colors by Antonio Favela. There's really not much there that I care about. Uh, then we have a story about Kane by Chris Yost. Pencils by David Baldion, who I like. Been enjoying his work in Nova. Kind of reminds me of Greg... Capullo a little bit. Eat by Jordi Tarragonia. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, really just kind of catches us up to speed. Then we have a preview of Learning to Crawl by Dan Swat, Art Ramon Perez, and Colors by Ian Herring. Don't really care about that. So the main story was really cool. The other stories were ranged from okay to completely lackluster. I would give the whole issue overall three out of six claws for Amazing Spider-Man number one. They should have just focused on the actual story and not charged me six bucks for it. All right, so then we have a couple of fake appearances, faux appearances for Wolverine. Guardians of the Galaxy 14 is basically the Guardians team following apart. King Jason has attacked them all and captured them all basically to try to get his son back into the fold, but he can't. Venom joins the team, and he's not captured because I guess they don't recognize he's on the roster. Uh, let's see, where is the... Oh, so the Wolverine appearance and quotes is Rocket Raccoon is trying to talk to Peter Quill in his quarters. He has some Marvel memorabilia in a trunk, an Iron man action figure signed by tony stark then it looks like he has a first appearance of wolverine comic book bagged and boarded so anyway uh this story was pretty interesting you know see where it goes we get a backup story about groot oh i didn't say you did this uh written by brian michael bendis pencils by nick bradshaw with jason masters and todd and walk inks by nick bradshaw walden wong jason masters and todd and walk colors by justin ponsor with jason keith letters by vc's Corey pennant woohoo for Denise. Uh, the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Justin Ponsor. It's a pretty sweet cover. Basically just the new lineup has Venom in there. Then we see uh, Carol Danvers in the background. So we have an old Groot story. Um, kind of his origin on his planet or whatever. It is written by Andy Lanning with pencils by Phil Jimenez. Which pencils are really good. I guess he was working on this when he couldn't give his whole heart to the last part of Savage Wolverine. Livesey is the anchor. Antonio Favela is the colors. VC's Corey Pettit is also the letterer. And we have a future story about the future Guardians of the Galaxy. Talking about how the timeline is broken and they're stuck in a loop. And they gotta go back to the past, which is our present, to fix it. Um, this is written by Danny Abnett with art by Gerardo Sandoval, which I really like his art, um, and Rochelle Rosenberg is a color artist. I would give this issue overall four out of six claws. I enjoyed it. Uh, it seemed like a lot of setup. Hopefully, I think I think it'll pay off pretty well, but we'll wait and see. And last but not least, we have Original Sin number zero, written by Mark Wade, of pencils by Jim Chung with Paco Medina. Inkers, an army of inkers. We have Mark Morales, Guillermo Ortego, Dave Micus, Juan Velasco, and Jim Chung. Justin Ponsor is a colorist. VCs Chris Eliopoulos is a letterer. Jim Chung and Justin Ponsor did the cover, and it's the Watcher on the Moon. 
bowing his head. Who is the watcher? And Nova flying at him. And basically, Nova is fighting some Aztec robot god. The Avengers show up and approve of him. Basically high-five him. And Nova makes some offhand comment that he thought the Watcher might show up. And the Avengers are like, no, no, this was not near big enough for him. And he goes, okay, well, I know what the Watcher does, but why does he do it? And the Avengers are like, Great question. And so Nova goes to visit the Watcher. Of course, in his own book, he's been kind of going and talking the Watcher's ear off and considers the Watcher his friend. And he brings him a piece of rock that's from the where the Avengers battled the Phoenix Five and AVX. And he kind of walks around the base and he gets stuck in this, um, oh, what is this? Multiversal friction engine. And basically we get the Watcher's origin. That they were a race and they were highly evolved and they went and helped another planet and gave them all this technology nuclear fission basically and they were really happy this this civilization advanced greatly evolved awesomely and they said hey let's go do this other places and they did they came back and this planet and basically blown itself up planet of the ape style and that's when they took a vow never to interfere they would only watch and observe and in this multiversal friction engine thing the watcher can see all these parallel universes and so we have this double page spread of watcher nova seeing all these panels we get a couple of wolverine things we get a picture of his first appearance finding the hulk which via jim chung is pretty sweet we get in with what i originally thought was a fantastic four when wolverine was on the fantastic four but it's the wrong cast but it's wolverine and the yellow and brown ghost rider gray hulk and venom which i don't really recall right away from what that is. So anyway, that's Wolverine's quote-unquote appearance in this book is the Watcher observing all this stuff. And basically, oh, then we get another one of him in the Weapon X program. So basically, Noah determines that the Watcher's trying to find that in all these multiverses, the same thing happens to his dad. He was kind of in charge of the old Watchers and, and kind of mandated the vow of silence. And so that's basically it. And so Nova says, well, after all that, I came to ask you a question, and I don't really expect an answer, but I just have to ask. He needs to know if his dad is alive or not. And the Watcher breaks his vow and says, he's alive. And Nova's like, oh, woohoo! And thanks, man, and flies off. And we see that the Watcher doesn't smile, but he puts the little souvenir that the Nova brought him on his shelf. So I think he enjoys it. He enjoys his relationship. And that's Original Sin number zero. I'm looking forward to Original Sin. I think it should be a good event. I thought this was pretty fun. Nice little setup. I'll give Original Sin number zero four out of six claws. Okay, well, that is Where's Logan? Okay, so last but not least, we have our Wolverine family segment. We're going to talk about Sabretooth and Uncanny X-Men number 20. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis. Pencils by Chris Piccolo, or Bacolo. I'm still not sure how to say that. I, do, I like him, though, so I hope one of those at least is right. Inks by everybody. We have Tim Townsend, Wayne Foucher, John Haldridge, Jaime Mendoza, Victor Alazaba, and Al Bay. Bacolo did his own colors, and then he did the cover with Tim Townsend. Pretty cool cover. It's uh, Cyclops, Emma Frost, and Magic just kind of posing, <laughs> really, like an album cover, almost. Alright, so basically, you know, the Sentinels have been hunting S.H.I.E.L.D. and Cyclops kicked out uh, David Bond and S.H.I.E.L.D. is questioning him, trying to figure out where the Cyclops' base is. I like how Maria Hill keeps calling him Mr. Bond, <laughs> which I think is intentionally reminiscent of James Bond. But they get a bead on Scott Summers. He is in Chicago being attacked by a Sentinel. 
So we, uh, we're on the Helen Carrier now, and Cyclops shows up in Maria Hill's mind and basically kind of says, Hey, S.H.I.E.L.D. is paying for these Sentinels. Maybe it's not you exactly, but it's still S.H.I.E.L.D.'s fault, and you need to be prepared to go to war. Maria Hill's like, Whatever, look in my mind. It's not my, I'm not, I know nothing about this. And the Cuckoo Twins, or I guess triplets, read her mind, and um, she's telling the truth. And she also has a crush on Cyclops, but hates that she has a crush on Cyclops because she morally despises him, they say. So Maria Hill is mad that she's kind of been mentally intruded on the first time by Cyclops. She let the Cuckoo Sisters go in. Anyway, she wants everybody on high alert, but the Cuckoo Sisters knock everybody out. So we go to Madripoor, where Mystique and a more savage-looking Sabretooth leaving their office and the blob breaks in and finds Dazzler. Of course, he's been taking some MGH to get his powers back and he wanted to know what the source was and now he knows it's Dazzler. And Mystique is like, no, I don't think everybody would really like this so we're not telling people we can trust you with our secret, right? He's like, yep. Sabretooth just kind of, you know, stands around and looks tough. And then Mystique has to go. She's being called back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Of course, she's posing as Dazzler since she has Dazzler captured. And Maria Hill wants to know while, why she isn't finding Scott Summers. And she says, I was a Madripoor on a mission. Cyclops wasn't there, but Magneto was. Maria Hill's like, well, what's he doing? She's like, I was finding out, but you called me back. And they want to know who's making the Sentinels. And we see that some guy in a green spacesuit is making them. And he um, has an inside track. He can see the S.H.I.E.L.D. command room. And Cyclops somehow, and this part lost me a little bit, somehow determines that whoever's sending the Sentinels after them is somehow using Cerebro. That's why they always show up when there's new mutants. And they determine that the only people that can use Cerebro were like Professor X, uh, Gene, they're both dead, uh, Magneto... Probably Tony Stark, maybe Reed Richards. They're forgetting Psylocke. But they determined, oh, but Hank McCoy. And he's super pissed at me. Even broke the time stream to get back at me. So they're going to go pay Hank a visit. And so there's a resentful X-Men reunion. Iceman and Storm are, are mad at Cyclops still. And Cyclops, uh, wants to, he just wants to check out Hank's lab. Let me see your lab. Checks out. We'll leave. And Hank's like, the hell? Yeah, so they have a standoff, but then they're attacked by a big fire blast, and it's probably going to be a sentinel. And the shield helicarrier also says, we know where they are, and so it's going to all kind of converge on this this spot. I'm really digging on Kenny X-Men. Uh, I like it a lot. And I even have, I don't think this is the case, but just a possibility, because it, it kind of bugs me a little bit. that Sabretooth in this book looks so different than he does in the Wolverine book. And he's had, he's had both appearances before. He's got, like in this, he's got the real, like, kind of tribal, savage, like the long hair and the native stuff and the braided hair and the beads and the, uh, and the tank tops. And then in the Wolverine book, we have short hair, wearing a suit, making a power play. Like, it all kind of loosely goes together with the Madripoor stuff. Anyway, I just want to remind everybody that there is a possibility of Sabretooth clones running around. I know everybody but me hated that story. I had issues with it as well, but it is definitely a possibility that there's more than one Sabretooth. Just saying. I don't think that's what they're doing, but just throwing that out there. Anyway, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men 20, uh, 6 out of 6 claws. I, I dug it a lot. Okay, well, let's wrap up. 
Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode. Everything for uh, all the Wolverine appearances for April 2014. Well, alright, so not quite. Missed a couple of things, but don't worry, they'll be in the next bonus episode. And there'll be books from our bonus week in April. We had five Wednesdays. So we'll have a bonus episode that'll uh, conclude origin part two and we'll cover wolverine five and we'll even get a little bit of x23 and all new x-men so that should be fun that'll be uh as soon as we can do it <laughs> but yeah that'll be coming soon bonus episode for april i hope you enjoyed this episode uh please leave an itunes review please like the facebook page uh go to the website that's nickcast.podbean.com and uh Put a link up there on the site uh, for Denise's uh, marathon. You may have heard her talk about last episode, or maybe it was a flashback. I can't remember. But um, she's running the Chicago Marathon in October, and uh, she's raising money for uh, Live Strong. So if you'd like to participate and contribute anything, even if it's just a couple of bucks, uh, feel free to go to the website and do that. No pressure, but it's there if you want it. We would greatly appreciate it. It would mean a lot to us. All right. Oh, uh, Twitter, at SnickCast. Email snickcast at yahoo.com. And I guess that's it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.